welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the history behind them. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get going. When I was younger, I went on a group activity for church to visit the shop of a stained glass window maker. He took us around his shop, showed us the piles of colored glass, the soldering tools, the lead, and the pieces that he was working on at the time. They were enormous. Some of them were very large windows. Some of them were smaller pieces. He talked to us about the symbolism found in window panes and told us about painting on the glass for faces in these large windows. Later, as I lived in Europe, I had ample opportunity to admire a number of stained glass windows. They were beautiful, old, and seemed to hold many stories. I loved the patterns of colored light that they'd make on the floor. That was one of my favorite parts. Glass has changed human history from admiring rainstorms, from safely behind a pane of glass, to allowing passengers to view the world from a bird's eye view on airplanes. Glass has allowed us to see many wonderful sights that we otherwise wouldn't have seen, from outer space to airplane travel to under the sea. We've seen a lot that many of our ancestors never quite got the chance to see. Glass has been molded into dishes that have hosted family gatherings and important dinners. It's been shaped into beads and trinkets that have been passed down to generations, creating links to bygone eras. It was an important part of Alice's journey and self-reflection in Through the Looking Glass. And so this week, we'll follow suit as we follow the story of glass with a little bit of gratitude. When it comes to glass, the exact origin of its start is slightly debated. We've kind of run into that trend lately. Dating back to about 3600 BC in Mesopotamia, although some argue that the glass found there were actually reproductions of Egyptian articles of glass, while others suggest that glassmaking began in North Syria or perhaps Egypt or Mesopotamia, which is where we started, the earliest examples of glass that we still have today are glass beads created in about 2000 BC. Some theories suggest that the beads were made by accident or were the byproduct of a fence which is a process like glazing metal objects with a centered quartz coating or another material. This was meant to help give the object luster. Glassmaking in India got its start in about 1730 BC, while China's use of glass came after its mastery of ceramics and metalwork. Evidence of glassmaking has also been found across Rome and ancient England. When it comes to natural glass found in nature, in particular volcanic glass obsidian, this glass has been used since the Stone Age and was primarily used as a tool for cutting. In the late Bronze Age in Egypt, there was a sudden growth in the invention of tools for the making of glass. Archaeologists have found colored glass and vessels in intricate shapes from this era. Although most glassworks were often made by pouring into molds, adding colors, and rolling them smooth, and then allowing the work to anneal or cool, often in the beginning, most glasswork was worked on cold, using grinding and carving, applying techniques that were used for stonework at the time. In the 15th century BC, glass production was happening in Western Asia, Egypt, and Crete, and most historians believe that this trade was a closely guarded secret set apart for the workings of great palaces and their industries. This meant that glass was a luxury afforded to the few, and by the late Bronze Age, due to disasters that occurred during that time, glass production had all but stopped. Later in the 9th century BC, glassmaking had a revival in Syria and Crete, 
and introduced the production of colorless glass. Instructions for how to make the glass are first found on a cuneiform tablet from an Assyrian king, King Ashurbanipal, made in 650 BC. King Ashurbanipal was king of the Neo-Assyrian Empire at the height of its power, when Nineveh was likely the largest city in the world, with about 120,000 residents. He is considered the last great king of Assyria. Later, in Ptolemaic Alexandrian Egypt, glass got a revival as well, leading to the development of new techniques for dealing with glass. In the Hellenistic period, clear glass continued to be highly valued, and new techniques for glass production were invented, including making tableware. These new pieces of glass required new techniques. Among them was a technique called slumping, in which nearly molten glass was poured over a mold to make a dish. Another new technique, called millefiori, was also developed, which comes from the Italian words for thousand and flowers. This technique fused together thousands of canes of colored glass to create an effect like a mosaic. In the first century BC, glass blowing was discovered, which led to greater production of glass vessels, eventually making them cheaper than pottery vessels. Different countries and cultures around the world have different histories with glass. We'll explore just a few. For the Romans, there is the tale of Phoenicians making the accidental discovery of glass. As a merchant ship docked at the shore of the Belus River, and the crew began to prepare a meal on the beach, the merchants didn't have stones to use to prop up their food above the fire, so instead they used nitrum, also known as saltpeter. They were shipping this nitrum, which mixed with the white sands and created a molten liquid, and thus was the serendipitous discovery of glass. This tale was recorded by Pliny the Elder. With glass blowing and glass working techniques, glass became increasingly common throughout the Roman Empire. Glass blowers discovered clear glass in 100 AD in Alexandria, and with this discovery, clear glass began to be used in architecture, particularly in important buildings throughout the Roman Empire, albeit with poor visibility, but still representing great importance. In Iran, we first find glass beads in the Late Bronze Period, about 1600 BC, with the first discovery of these beads being found by Charles Burney in Azerbaijan. Glass tubes, as well as glass mosaic cups, and glass holding coal, which is an ancient eye cosmetic, have also been found, some dating from the Iron Age and others from the Middle Elamite Period, a period from 2600 BC to 330 BC. Although initially glasswork was plain and clear, later by the Sasanian period, glass vessels had become decorated. These decorations were specific to the local region and a particular motif. In India, evidence of glasswork has been found dating back as far as the Copper Age. The earliest glass found is a brown glass bead dating back to 1700 BC. This is the earliest evidence of glass in South Asia. In Kopia, in Uttar Pradesh, we have evidence of the first locally produced glass, manufactured sometime between the 7th and the 2nd centuries BC. Indian glass, made during this time, had a very different chemical makeup from the glass found in Babylon, China, and Rome. India later picked up some new techniques from the Western practices and also produced lemon yellow and green glasses. In China, glass did not play as big of a role as ceramics and metalworks, but still, the earliest examples of glass that have been found date back to the Warring States period, which is from 475 to 221 BC. 
Imported glass came to China during the spring and autumn periods in the early 5th century BC. The most popular of these imported goods were the polychrome eye beads. These beads got the ball rolling for Chinese glass production. During the Han Dynasty, glass production started to diversify, including the introduction of molds for glasswork. This glasswork included a variety of chemical compositions, as it also included a variety of imported glass, so they were working with a lot of different kinds of glass. Glasswork died down for a bit around the end of the Han Dynasty, around 220 AD, and picked up again in the 4th and 5th centuries AD. In the Islamic world, in the 8th century, a Persian Arab scientist named Javier ibn Hayyan had recorded 45 recipes for colored glass, and by the 11th century in Islamic Spain, clear glass mirrors were being produced. In Africa, in the kingdom of Benin, glass beads and glass were produced during the post-classical time. In medieval Europe, with the fall of the Roman Empire, independent manufacturers of glass began to crop up, producing glass with a variety of techniques. One of the chief among them was forest glass which uses wood, ash, and sand to produce glass. Glass has been found on the island of Torcello, near Venice, that dates back to the 7th or 8th century, which signifies links between the Roman era of glass and later glassmaking. By about 1000 AD, a new technique of glassmaking was developed that made the process even easier. Prior to this new technique, which used potash to make glass as opposed to the more difficult-to-obtain white pebbles and burnt vegetation to make soda glass, potash could be obtained from burnt wood ash. This marked a divide between traditional Mediterranean glass, which continued to use the white pebble soda glass, and northern glass, which relied on wood ash, like the forest glass that we mentioned just a little bit ago. Stained glass became popular by the 12th century, with Romanesque art and Gothic-style art in particular. Although these days most surviving stained glass is found in churches, stained glass was also popular in secular buildings. In the 11th century, Germany discovered a new way of making sheet glass. This involved making spheres and swinging them out to form a cylinder, at which point, while the glass was still hot, it would be cut and flattened out into sheets. By the 13th century in Venice, this technique was perfected. A process called crown glass process was developed, which involved spinning nine pounds of molten glass on the end of a rod until it was shaped like a disc, at which point it would be cut into panes for windows. This process was popular up until the 19th century. For Anglo-Saxons, with the departure of the Romans in the 5th century, glass production changed. Whereas before, more glass articles could be found by archaeologists in burial sites and the like, as Roman influence disappeared, fewer goods were buried with the deceased. Instead, by the 7th century, more glass windows had appeared, coinciding with greater constructions of churches. In the 14th century, luxury glassware was produced on the island of Murano in Italy. Venetian Murano glass was so spectacular because of the makeup of the glass. The Murano glassmakers had access to local quartz pebbles that were made of near-pure silica. These could be ground down to make a clear sand that was mixed with soda ash. This made for the clearest glass and best tinted glass around. Murano gained the reputation of a center for glassmaking when the Venetian Republic was afraid of a fire taking out the town, which was mostly constructed of wood at the time, and so moved production of glass to the island of Murano in 1291. Bohemian glassmaking is a glass produced in Bohemia or Silesia, or what is now known as the Czech Republic. 
Glassmaking products found here date back to around 1200, while local museums house items made from around the 1600s. New processes for glassmaking continued to develop around the world. One important contribution to the new processes was the inclusion of lead oxide, which made the glass easier to melt and work with and also improved its clarity. This process was developed by George Ravenscroft in 1674. Because of Ravenscroft's process and his own influence, England overtook Venice as the top glass producer in the 18th and 19th centuries. He continued to innovate as some of his techniques proved less effective, but with his ingenuity, he continued to improve the process and fix problems in his glassware. When it comes to using glass as building material, although this was a trend during the Roman era and in other buildings, it became most popularized in 1851 with Joseph Paxton's Crystal Palace. The Crystal Palace was built to house the Great Exhibition of that year. The Great Exhibition's full name is The Great Exhibition of the Works of Industry of All Nations, and it took place in Hyde Park in London, England. Over the next few decades, glassmaking limped toward an automated process, stumbling through a few processes that were less effective along the way, but were definitely rungs on the ladder toward a new future of automated glass production. Rolled and ribboned glass techniques were applied and abandoned, along with Henry Bessemer's float glass technique, which involved pouring glass onto liquid tin in 1845. In 1887, in Castleford, Yorkshire, a firm called Ashley developed the mass production of glass with capabilities of producing 200 glass bottles an hour. And from there, many other methods for developing a variety of glasses, from window glass to wired cast glass and more, were developed around the world. Between 1953 and 1957, Sir Alistair Pilkington and Kenneth Bickerstaff of the UK revolutionized the float glass method the same method which uses a molten tin bath and successfully developed the method that produced glass that was uniform and flat. This is the method that most modern-day glass windows use today. These days, glass makes up many parts of most of our buildings. On its journey from trinket and discovery to building material for the rich and the wealthy to hand mirror for the everyman, glass has allowed us to see things more clearly, to admire views we never would have seen before, and to self-reflect. From rainy days we can enjoy, to standing above great heights and seeing through the floor, to the windows that allowed us to see our loved ones when we couldn't visit each other for a time, glass has opened many windows in our lives. So here's a little gratitude for a little bit of sand, stone, or ash, and heat. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a marvelous day. Take care. Thank you.